reflecting on the, the way it is, the sound of silence, the, the, the wind blowing, birds waking up. body as experience, as a, not as a conceiving it in any way. You know, like one can take perceptions and uh, like the four elements, earth, fire, water, and air, or the 32 parts of the body, or the cemetery meditations, and then you, you kind of use concepts to investigate the body. And there's just receiving the body as experience. It's like this. So it's nameless. It's not, it's not uh, perceiving it through any particular uh, way or through some <clears throat> perception that you're using. It's just awakening to the experience of sitting, standing, walking, lying down. So that's why I say the way it is, it's like this. Uh, when I when I reflect in this way, then as a perception the, the various parts of the body come into consciousness, like just as I said, the way it is the body experience and the small of my back suddenly that area became conscious. As I sustain and hold my attention on the body in this space sound of silence as a background, the body as a focus and then, I, then the body manifests itself into consciousness uh, just by saying that I, I'm aware of the hands and feet and knees shoulders, head and neck. I don't particularly have to think about them. Just let it happen. As you kind of trust in this sustained awareness of the body as experienced now in the present. Investigating the body through the four elements and the 32 parts, the feminine, this is encouraged. It's not, a, not, sometimes people assume things that I don't ever say. <clears throat> so, I mean, you know, I found great value in reflecting on that, but also this is another way in terms of the immediacy of direct knowing 
like this this directness of knowing the way it is now in which you don't need to describe it it, it is what it's itself alone this way you don't need to describe it and define it it's like this so you're trusting in an intuitive sense intuitive wisdom rather than uh, trying to analyze and figure it out So, in, like in Sati Sampachanya, as I talked about yesterday morning, in Sati Panya, mindfulness, wisdom. <coughs> so, this Panya, in this sense, is wisdom. It's not acquired knowledge, it's innate, universal wisdom. It's not personal. It's not, I can't claim it as, as my kind of, my wisdom. <clears throat> and because in this opening sense, the awareness, I can't claim that as some kind of personal attainment. If I do, then I'm off the track. You know, if I say, I am now, uh, Ajahn Sumedho who's really awake and aware, uh, then that's coming from a kind of sense of personal achievement that gives the wrong impression because it's not personal can't claim it in that way but it's it's natural universal rather than personal So letting panya kind of inform you. You know, you've got the, the, the kind of Dharma teachings, the Dhammanupasana Saribhatana. <coughs> is, uh, say, the fourth foundation of mindfulness. And they're, they're kind of guidelines, way of, of looking at things that are impersonal. So, uh, Four Noble Truths, the uh, five khandas and all like this these these are not teachings to grasp intellectually but they're guidelines for ways of investigating experience now so this intuitive ability you know, the is uh, we're using the convention, say Dharma convention, Buddhist teaching, not as something to grasp, but as a way of investigating experience. So like becoming a Buddhist is you, you grasp all the Buddhist teachings and believe in them, and then you become a Buddhist. Then in in terms of enlightenment, you, you let go of the teachings, but it doesn't mean you throw them out, but you, in order to use them, you have to let them go. You have to use them uh, for 
reflection rather than just grasping them as uh, doctrinal truths that you accept without ever really uh, knowing what they mean, you know, just assuming you know because you understand logically what they might be saying. So intuitive intuition is a, you know, for most Western people is very frustrating because you, like you can't get your teeth in it. It's not, you know, you can't prove it scientifically. It's it's all pretty, uh, sounds airy-fairy and a bit uh, suspect. It might be just my feelings, you know, my particular neurotic hang-ups and feelings. I might just, might be speaking from some kind of emotional cranky place, my intuitions and how I feel about things is uh, can be seen as intuitive. But intuition, some people are very intuitive, but how they explain their intuition is that they usually explain it in a very personal way. So it comes out, I feel like this, or I feel this this atmosphere, or I feel uh, kind of overwhelmed by the vibrations, and so it's, it's not that that is some kind of be seen as some neurotic problem, but as an attempt to try to explain something that's that you can't that is you can't explain very well. You don't have the the language for explanation. So these the Polycanon, and that helps, gives us a kind of agreed vocabulary. This is how I see it anyway. A way of talking about experience that isn't coming from highly personal, cultural views about everything. <clears throat> it's like a agreed language of communication in regards to intuitive awareness. Sati Sampachanya, Sati Panya. We're talking about uh, how perceiving or using community, the sense of sangha. You know, where we're including others in this moment. So that's. Uh, ability to include or exclude and so that this flexibility is ever possible so this using this perception of sangha including it as a as the way it is the sangha as 
the perception of it opens me to this sense of including you all in this moment. I close my eyes and I can exclude you. Hold my eyes in visually, they're included in this moment. As Sangha, I can, I can then include uh, through uh, just sorting out individuals, this nun, this monk, and so forth. But this, uh, this sense of community, Sangha, is, is a, you know, includes, includes us all in that perception. So then we reflect the needs of the Sangha. is not to define that but to open that to to this intuitive sense not trying to figure out but just what resonates what is to be a sangha a community what does what does that imply you know is it a group of individuals doing their own thing or is it a sense of cooperation consideration, a caring sense, an interest, respect, and an honesty. I mean honest in not, not trying to create the illusion of harmony through just trying to be polite and nice, but being honest, being able to accept each other as we are in the present. And we have a basket case in the present that community accepts, is willing to allow. The individuals in it to be what they are. So then the personal need, I found that Quite, quite a challenge because I tend to to think more in terms of community needs and then dismiss personal. So when we do it, start doing this NBC and say, "What do I need?" I really found that quite difficult. I didn't really want to think about it. <clears throat> But that's another in a way of, you know, uh, an honest reflection, you know, as an individual member of this community, then, the, then I have needs as an individual.
Oh, I see my rights uh, as a member of this community is uh, have the right to practice according to Dhammavinaya, like the ordination ceremony when you take the the Bhapachau Pathampada, the eight precepts, uh, that you're given the right to use sila for one thing. So when you're standing up for your rights, you have the right to kit, to, re- to live under these precepts. You've been, you know, as a community, and we give that. It's a kind of empowerment to to use the precepts, vinaya. Then needs, and we're going to come into personal needs. And in community, sangha needs. This is reflecting in the in this, what does the, like these concepts that I'm using. They're they're not meant. I don't really want you know. Not trying to find out uh, immediately exactly what everyone needs and what the community needs, and trying to tell you what the community needs and what each one of you need or anything like that, but just using this way of reflecting to open to the present. You know, when I say, well, my personal needs are the present. So in this particular position, this sense of something like being received. You know, this, uh, when you're up on the high seat, you know, you can if I close my eyes and I can just rattle off, I can create a whole scenario in my head and and uh, you could all fall asleep and I just go on and on because I wouldn't, wouldn't notice. <clears throat> I could just rattle on, tell you all about how to practice uh, according to the Four Noble Truths, uh, how to develop the Eightfold Path, how to be a good monk and nun and Follow the rules and stiff upper lip, carry on. 
Jolly good show, this monastic life. <laughs> a lot better than the lay life. You know, lay life's full of dis- you know, problems and difficulties and give you, you know, a kind of rah-rah version. But he really, well, God, when he shut up, or <laughs> Or maybe he just turn off, fall asleep. So when you're up on the high seat, you can, you know, you can, you can turn off. Well, you know, I've done this. I've been in this position for so many years. You know, so <clears throat> I'm quite at home on the high seat. Actually, <laughs> this is a very nice one. It's made for a big man. You, know, you get up in those little tie high seats, you know, it looked really ridiculous, like, like an elephant standing on a stool, you know. <laughs> I put me in Thailand, there were these little tiny tomats, and they're very pretty, you know, all gilded with gold and inlaid with colored mirrors and things that you squeeze yourself into this tiny little thing, hoping it doesn't break down. And when I came to England, and they remember they, everybody's so eager to to support our strict vinaya that uh, that uh, you know English people were so eager to do everything right. They're so concerned that that they do things properly that sometimes you know they, I could end up going to somebody's house and I'd be sitting on the coffee table. <laughs> I told one woman, I said, now I know what an hors d'oeuvre feels like. Somebody that tends to be cerebral like myself is easy to just close the eyes and and just talk from the intellect. And then you know when you open your eyes and you, you know it, it's kind of like a, a sense of including uh, every. Everything in this moment is kind of uh, uh, more or less excluded because uh, 
like like shutting out and coming from ideas. <clears throat> then in the, it's intuitive awareness, reflecting on the way it is. It includes you, doesn't it? In this position, all of you are included in this reflection. Because only you know the way it is. (laughs) It's not me describing the way it is or telling you how it is. It's you. You're ability to observe, to, to notice, to wake and awaken and note the way it is. And so then this <clears throat> sound of silence the way it is. And somebody was telling me the other day they, they want to get beyond the sound of silence. And then, why? You know, that's another creation of your mind wanting to get something more. That's not the way it is. That's a, a thought or a perception you're creating. I want to get beyond sound and silence. So the, what I'm pointing to is just noticing that the way it is, it's like this. I'm not trying to say anything more than that. So like the sound of silence is like this. And then then this ability to sustain, you know, because it's a it's not my creation, it's not a, a kind of nimitta or creation of my mind, you know. I'm not creating it, I'm not making it making it up. It is natural to this moment. It it's obvious and clear. There's nothing to do with whether I <clears throat> notice it or not. I can totally forget it and still it's always as soon as I remember it's still going on. This sound stream. That's just the way it is. It's a it's noticing. And you notice that when you stay with the sound stream for a while, then it it calms down. You calm down, you know, because you're you're consciously not arousing a lot of other things around it. You know, as you kind of re- relax into it, it's rather it's it doesn't it's not high or low. It's not exciting, fascinating. Uh, it's not depressing. Uh, it is this it has a con- constant constancy continuity like a continuous flow and you can rest in and that's why this sense of relaxing and uh, trusting is kind of like you you know the floating in this resting floating in this consciousness 
I found these ways of thinking helps me to to relax and to to rest and to trust. Then 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 the breath, the body, the state of mind. So just noticing, and it's, uh, then when then it the budget when the conditions arise, so you find in your life, uh, you know, living in community will trigger off various emotional habits we have, different people, different members of the community, or visitors to the community, or other groups, or Chitters, Harlem, whatever, you know, when, when, when the monks come from Switzerland and Harlem and that at the end of this retreat, it's, you know, more kind of the conditions are changing, aren't they? Suddenly you're getting more monks, senior monks, terrors coming in. So the conditions change. The sense of sangha then includes all of them, you know. So, but yet, yet uh, they are coming from other places into this place. So the conditions change, and what arises, you know, so this awareness of the way it is, rather than <coughs> creating a problem about it, you know. Oh, you know, they're going to disrupt the retreat, and oh, oh, you know, they're probably, (laughs) you know, we can make it into some kind of possible difficult problem, you know, that for the ideal retreat that you don't want, uh, you know, you don't want to be disrupted, and then disruptions take place. You can see them as disruptions, and then they tend to be like that. You feel disrupted by them because you. You, you're perceiving through that in that way, or the conditions changing are like this. people leaving, like Andrea and Moria leaving, I mean, conditions changing, and it's like this. this it's a, like noticing, because these do affect us. When people come, people go, people ordain, people disrobe, and that, then the, the conditions change. It affects us. You know, we, 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 uh, feel something, we have some kind of emotional reaction to it. It's just the way it is. It's not, not, uh, that's this realm. It's 
the sense realm is like this. So then, this attitude then of including it, you know, it's like you, so you're aware in allowing, and the conditions change. It's like this, and then this sense of embracing, allowing, even if the the way you're feeling is 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 isn't what you want to feel. You know, like I can see, like personally, there's a lot of things I don't like about myself on a personal level, personal habit, emotional habits, and and uh, tendencies that uh, you know I don't like about me. Uh, I can be quite critical. Because I can also idealize me as how I should be. You know, the ideal, what I'd like to be. If I could become an ideal, uh, and how I, I know I should be, is, uh, you know, the personality is a real tyrant. Is the real, you know, it's filled with jackals, as they say. It's always uh, nagging. My personality tends to be a real nag. <clears throat> so, this is on the personal level. And when my person, when I judge myself from my personality, it just seems hopeless. Even after thirty-six years in the in the monastic life, if I just Coming from from my personality, its 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 habit tendencies, the way it tends to operate, it doesn't seem to change all that much. And it's not like I I've developed a, a much kind of more wholesome personality through being a monk. And uh, I'm a, uh, I would say I'm probably a, a nicer, a more kind of confident person than I was before but on a but then the, the personality habits when the conditions arise and they, they get triggered off so you can trace them back to early childhood and some a lot of it just emotional reactions of you know that, that get triggered off in by situations by conditions changing by contact with the community. So then it's the Bhantiyata, the conditions changing, that Sati Sampatanya, apperception or apprehension, another word for Sampatanya, to apprehend the point of the intersection of the timeless with time. <laughs> apprehend or apperception or two English words that convey that intuitive embracing of the present. Right. Intuitive apperception is the, it, it, uh, it 
hold, it's open, includes everything. Then if I start thinking, you know, analyzing, then I, I divide. The thinking faculty is divisive. You know, analysis, criticism, reason, and logic. These are, you know, admirable abilities we have, but their, their function is div to divide. You know, that's why being reasonable and sensible and all that, uh, we can be incredibly reasonable about everything. But at the same moment, be very divisive. Because is all the shoulds, shouldn'ts, and come into it. You know, you're coming from ideas, from how, you know, right and wrong, good and bad, heaven and hell. And so that, you know, when you're caught in just the thinking mind and the critical faculty, then you, of course, heaven is better than hell, isn't it? See, suddenly I've divided, you know. Hell is not good at all. Heaven is the best. You should be good. You shouldn't be bad. I want to do what's right, and uh, we shouldn't do anything that's wrong. Wrong is bad. Hell is bad. That's all bad. And we want the good. Heaven goodness, truth. And so, just follow that up and you get, you know, the, you're stuck in this, uh, this uh, dualism. One doesn't approve of the other. Like my good side does not approve of my bad side. So that, that's uh, now recognizing that in this intuitive awareness, it includes uh, heaven, hell, good and bad, right and wrong. And it has this ability to embrace the, the totality of it. Choiceless awareness, uh, Krishnamurti call it. Uh, it. It allows things to be what they are. It's not, it's not trying to, it's not taking sides and trying to and, and criticize and nag and, and make a problem about anything. So the worm and the apple, the snake in the garden, the fly in the ointment, they all belong. Or in terms of the, the, you know, the worm, apples shouldn't have worms in them. You know, that's the ideal. Good apples do not have worms in them. And we don't want apples that have worms. And so our economy does an enormous amount of effort to kill off as many worms as they can so that they don't get into the apples. Because we, when we go to the market, we don't want to buy apples with worms in them. <laughs> so that, uh, and we never buy worms unless we, <laughs> unless we want to go fishing. <laughs> But this, uh, in it, now that's uh, a logical 
way of thinking, isn't it? If you're going to sell apples in the market, then you, you don't want worms in them. Nobody's going to buy them. But, but in terms of apperception, then, then this, uh, worms belong apple, in apples. You know, they, if they're in apples, that's the way it, that's the way it is. This, this noticing the way it is. And then, then we can be aware of our reaction. Oh, I don't want that apple as a worm in it. You know, the way we emotionally react to, I don't like that, I don't want that apple has a worm in it, is a, is a reaction we might have to that particular experience. Now, our perception allows that, you know, you're noticing, you're, you're learning to awaken to the experience that's happening for you at this moment. And it's totally accepting. It accepts even the reaction. I don't want an apple with a worm in it. It'll accept that. It's not saying, Ajahn Sumedho says apples, worms and apples are, you know, grasp the idea. <laughs> and I shouldn't, it shouldn't matter to me if I were really mindful. It wouldn't matter in the least, you know. Worms belong in apples. That's being terribly reasonable again. But just noticing that, you know, this, this is the way it is, the feeling. I don't want to, you know, don't want this apple has a worm in it. It's like this. So even the, the personal bits, the things that I don't like about me, don't want, don't approve of, never have, spent many years trying to get rid of it. <clears throat> Even that belongs. The jackals, the, the tyrant, the whole process, the whole cycle. Because in this enormity of awareness, then there's room for everything. So you see the sense of relaxing, trusting, because there's nothing to do. You don't have to fight the devils and and uh, control everything and try to purify yourself and and change all your bad habits, get rid of your bad habits, and and make yourself into an impeccable model of propriety, purity, and goodness. Righteousness, uprightness. The kind of parodies of this snooty kind of, we are very proper people. We do only what's suitable and proper in our lives. <laughs> So that that kind of um, way of grasping, you know, that's grasping an ideal. So like fundamentalist, fundamental approaches to religion, you know, grasping the the jihad or the the purity, the, the, the or the idea that the Bible is the word of God can't be wrong, or. And this controversy now around the 
in America around trying to institute the the creative the creation theory as equal to Darwin the, the, the theory of evolution that God actually created the world in seven days and six days and seven days rested and that and then there's, there's one creature going around saying yeah and then there's even proof that dinosaurs and man coexisted at the same time and then there's no discrepancy you know like dinosaurs actually exist on this planet millions of years before human beings ever appeared that's Darwinism that's the philosophy of the devil that's modern science that's evil Because the Bible says, <laughs> and God, that's the word of God. The Bible's the word of God. So then this, this is the, the fundamental approach. <clears throat> so that's coming from the dualistic mind, isn't it? It's very, you know, you, you take on this the Bible, the Word of God, then there can be nothing wrong in it. No mistakes. Seven days, uh, six days creation, that's right. And even though science might prove that that's not right, science is wrong. Because if the Bible's the Word of God, then it, it, it has to be right. That's logical. And, uh, and anything else, your temptation to doubt that is because of the evil forces. Atheism, communism, modern materialism, things like Buddhism. <laughs> These things you, you need to control, you need to hold back, put down. And or annihilate. So it's logical, isn't it? It's a well, if you buy into the if you take the view the Bible is the word of God, then the logic follows from that. You know, it's that's how logic operates. So that's why the the religion does that. oftentimes do very foolish things because it you know it's it's still holding itself into its, the limitation uh, of the convention it's using. Where, say, mysticism or meditative approaches is, 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 is transcends the convention. It doesn't reject the convention. It's not like a, a, a it's not turning against the convention, but it, it includes the convention. The convention is a part of this moment like the Theravada Buddhist monastic convention is a part of this moment. You know, it's the way it is. Then if we grasp that, we say, Theravada Buddhism is the pure form of Buddhism. It's the original teaching of the Buddha and, uh, and it's the, uh, it's the pure the most, uh, you know, the clearest expression and blah, 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 the way Theravadans get on their high horse to say how much better they are than the rest. That's 
conceptual proliferation, propuncha, isn't it? You, you just, you know, you, you've got a, you've got a, or you hear the party line, or, you know, you party line Theravadins are always putting down Mahayana, saying how much they were the real thing and they're not, and that's that's conceptual proliferation. So Pali, that's papancha, the good word. <clears throat> No, this is, these are grasping positions that we have, that our conventions might, if we grasp the convention as an end in itself, then we, we get stuck with it in its limitations. We, ne- we can't get beyond it because we, we buy, we've tied ourselves to the convention. Now, recognize that the convention is not disrespected or rejected, it's included. It belongs also. You know, those of us who, you know, summonize that this convention belongs in this moment. Not as some kind of personal identity, but it's, it's also, there's, there's rule, there's a, it, this is the, one of the conditions that coexist in this moment. So then encouraging you to, to reflect like this, you know, it's it isn't it's not a you know, not to come up with any great insights and an uh, idea of attaining from it, but learning to trust to have this confidence in yourself to to use what's happening to you you know the way you are the way the community affects you the the retreat the formal communal retreat the the end of the winter's retreat uh, people coming going it's not it's you know this at this moment but it's always this uh, apperception, this embracing of the present. Like emotionally, isn't it? We, we affect each other, so how we, you know, our presence, absence, our, the way we even move has its effect. Body length. You can't help it. You know, people <clears throat> you know the just the the way th- we sit, stand, walk right now <laughs> and, you know as we as we see or ex- experience each other it affects us in some way, so I mean it, this awareness. It embraces that, notices like this. Now there's nothing judgmental in it. It's, 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 it's allowing you to feel, to really know and be with the feeling that you're experiencing.
Uh, how many, you know, how many of you have feel you can do that? You know, have this sense. You know, because we're so programmed to always strive to try to get better and get rid of the, you know, the silly stuff, the kind of emotional hang-ups, the selfishness, the uh, self-consciousness, all these things, you know, conquer them, get rid of them, or we come from ideals of sacrificing ourselves for the community, or, you know, think of ourselves, I come here to, you know, to work on myself. I didn't come here to, you know, to for a community. I've come here to, you know, get enlightened and get my act together, get myself, you know, into a proper state. And then uh, these these various emotional reactions, attitudes, they belong in the moment. The sense of allowing them, good or bad, right or wrong, to be what they are. So it's a real meta practice, you know, this, this embracing, uh, consciousness, this consciousness with wisdom, vinyana, that is informed with panya, is incredibly compassionate. It accepts everything, you know, uncritically. No strings attached. No if, ands, or buts. <clears throat> so when you allow yourself that, that freedom, then, then, then the compassion, that's like metta karuna, mudita upeka, it's the, the Brahma Vihara operates in the world. <clears throat> Where if you're coming from personal judgments, then, you know, if you don't feel very good, then you've lost your temper or you've, you know, you've, you're having problems with somebody in the community and or you lose faith in the practice or you want to disrobe or whatever then it's then it's all you know there's a whole sense of of uh, self-criticism or justification or you know the mind plays its tricks in order to to uh, to deal with the particular way you happen to be feeling. And a lot of it, you know, we feel guilty or feel angry. Or we blame others. You know, you, because of you, or this community, it wasn't good enough. It's disappointed me. Monasticism disappointed me. It's not what I thought it was going to be. That's, uh, so I'm leaving or I can't stand living with these people is, is, is a way of, of justifying isn't it, what you're feeling but in terms of the way it is you know this, this sense of allowing yourself to feel even, even to the blaming 
and, uh, and uh, is allowed. But the relationship is changed from grasping to allowing the blaming tendency to be what it is. So incredibly generous in it and uh, liberating is then you you know you you can uh, you can keep learning you can you know the conditions changing all the time so it's uh, you know this is an ongoing practice learning to trust then open then rest in the present. Then the, the conditions changing, you know, you, you, you're going to be, have various uh, uh, experiences in your life, like Venerable Simangolo is talking about how, what it's like to be 40. <laughs> 42. I can tell you what it's like to be 67 going on 68. Conditions changing. It's not like, I came to England when I was 42. Uranus uh, returned. So the age has its effect, you know. The the people you're living with, uh, the weather, season, time of day or night. Uh, you know, this is this is the this is the experience of sensitivity. You know, like I felt yesterday, I was feeling all my life I've not wanted this experience. Now I can trace it back to. I've not wanted to live actually I find being conscious human being something I've never really wanted I, I don't know how I got born because I didn't want to be born <laughs> it's just a reflection on it fact <laughs> because it is it is uh, you know it is a uh, a continuous irritating experience. You know, so it, it's, uh, it's like this. It, it, it goes to extremes. It can be incredibly beautiful and wonderful. It can go to, to its reverse. But it's an ongoing changing reality of, of contact, impingement on the senses and mind and changes it. So then what we're pointing to is not a rejection or a denial or a separation from this, which you can't achieve anyway, but an embracing of it. It's like taking it on wholeheartedly, embracing the world, you know, opening to it, rather than this kind of furtive style of, I don't want to be alive, I don't want to be here. I'm fed up with it, let me out of here kind of way that I that tended to be my uh, emotional pattern. How can I get out of this? 
I don't want to be here. I don't want to experience all this stuff, have all these clawing emotions and these kind of habits that I don't like about myself. It's the irritating irritation of having a physical body of being 68 and when in 68 you know I think 70s and not far away old age is really you know it's rushing arthritic feet <laughs> still going to go to Mount Carnage <laughs> Well, that's enough for this morning. <laughs>